It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in on a Monday edition of the podcast. Hope you all are doing well. A lot to get to like usual. We know BYU's bowl destination. Well, not officially, but I reported it last night along with Jake Edmonds from KUTV. We'll talk about the Boca Raton Bowl for BYU against the UCF Knights. Also get to my film review of the San Diego State win. What did I take away after re-watching that game? Some interesting tidbits we'll get to on today's show. Also need to talk a little bit about what's going on in other BYU sports from the weekend that was. So a lot to get to on a Monday. It's all brought to you today by our title sponsor, Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. Save yourself 20% on your next order. All right, without further ado, let's break into it here. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for December 14th. 2020. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks again for taking some time to join us on your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Uh, a reminder for you guys, if you haven't done so already, many of you have, but if you haven't, if you're new to the show, make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button so you never miss an episode. What we like to do here is we need to be your one-stop shop for all the BYU sports news you need to know about each and every day, as well as passing along insider tidbits that you will not find anywhere else so a big thank you for your continued support of the podcast all right let's talk bull preparations for byu as i reported on twitter last night and you can follow me at jacob c hatch is my twitter handle I reported last night that BYU is not expected to play a game this coming Saturday in the regular season finale. That is because they will be playing in the Boca Raton Bowl, officially the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Not a clue in the entire world what RoofClaim.com is. I assume something with your roof, but no clue what they actually do. But nonetheless, they are the bowl sponsor, and BYU will take on the UCF Knights, who are 6-3 and three on the season in that game. Be held at FAU's home field there in Boca Raton, and it will be uh, scheduled for 5 o'clock Mountain Time, the kickoff, 7 o'clock on the East Coast. Limited fan attendance, according to what I read about the bowl game. So if you want to go to the game, well, you can probably spend Christmas in South Florida, and there are worse places to spend your holidays. I can freely acknowledge that to you guys so there you go that's what we're expecting to see and BYU beginning today will begin bowl preparations they will have roughly what one two three four five six practices at the very most to prepare for UCF I would in essence treat this as a game week preparation because BYU likely will travel this weekend to South Florida down there to Boca Raton I would assume they fly into Miami and then drive up from Miami International to Boca Raton but hey I don't know their travel plans but I assume they're traveling this weekend maybe some limited uh, fan attendance going on as well as limited uh, bowl festivities and the like but nonetheless I think this is actually a decent game for BYU many of you when I tweeted this out last night well 
a lot of people really down on it saying we wanted a power five opponent and i get that i get that you would want to see byu take on a power five team i completely understand why you would want to see byu take on a power five team you want to see them challenge themselves against the best i completely get that but as it stands, with the number of bowl games canceling and with the number of teams starting to opt out, what, Stanford's out now, Boston College, Bronco Mendenhall's Virginia team, Pitt as well. Well, teams are starting to drop out, so there may not be a Power 5 opponent for BYU to play because you have both bowl tie-ins with these conferences, and the Power 5s have actually aligned themselves many times with other Power 5 conferences to match up, and it just may not have come to fruition where ESPN could gerrymander it to put BYU in such a game. I think UCF, considering the options that probably were out there in reality for BYU to play in a bowl game, I think UCF is a solid, solid opponent, especially when you're going to warm weather. There were a lot of rumors, and they were strong rumors. People I trust told me that the famous Idaho Potato Bowl and the New Mexico Bowl, which is being played in Frisco, Texas this year of all places, were both legitimate destinations for BYU. I think you'll take going to Boca Raton and sunny Florida the week of Christmas over going to Boise or to Frisco, Texas. I may be wrong about that. I, I, I can acknowledge I may be wrong about that. And you guys can feel free to, to disagree with me. Feel free to weigh in. Send in your thoughts at Locked On Cougars on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, at Jacob C. Hatch on Twitter as well, or even email us, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. But I think all things considered, UCF is a solid opponent. They have a name brand. I know that many people like to denigrate them because they had that self-proclaimed national championship a while back, but this is a program who is not far removed from going two straight regular seasons undefeated. It's a stout program. I have been to Orlando. I've been to the campus of UCF. This is a program that has some thoughts of really becoming a power five caliber program. And I think they've proven they can rise up to that level. Obviously, Scott Frost moved on and they've taken a little bit of a backseat. It feels like to what he accomplished with Josh Heupel in command there with UCF. But they have a formidable offense. They've got Dylan Gabriel, a pretty highly thought of quarterback for the UCF Knights. And the quarterback matchup alone, by the way, Zach Wilson against Dylan Gabriel, I'm on board with it. I think once this is official, and some of you may have maybe listening to this when this becomes official, because I was told the official announcement's coming Monday at some point from BYU. UCF has already accepted their bid or their invite to the Boca Raton Bowl. So some of you may be hearing this after the official announcement, but those of you who are hearing it before it, I look at this as a big opportunity for BYU because I think that UCF and BYU, just the name brand recognition of those two programs, the nationally ranked Cougars squad, UCF, the team that has been ranked in the recent past, it might be the best uh, non-Power 5 matchup in the bowl season. It might be the best non-New Year's Six Bowl game out there. Honestly, that's my honest opinion. These are two programs who've got high-flying offenses, and it should be a fun evening down there in Boca Raton. I am a fan of bowl games being played in warm weather destinations. Going to Boise in mid-December or late December does not have Jake Hatch wants to go here. When you say, Jake, would you like to go to Boca Raton and cover a bowl game? I say, yes, sir. When can I hop on the plane? I love warm weather, and I don't know why I live still live in the state of Utah. If I had my way, I'd probably be living on a beach somewhere, maybe in Hawaii, but that costs money, and my job is here, et cetera, my family. But regardless... 
warm weather bowl destinations for the win. And I'm looking forward to this game. We'll have a more reaction to it once that people like Kalani Sitake are able to speak to the media about it. Once the official announcement comes out, we'll have a lot of that for you guys. My only regret, and I said this on Twitter as, as well last night, is the fact that BYU is playing in Boca Raton the day before Festivus. Some of you may not know what Festivus refers to. It is a holiday that comes from the TV show, the sitcom Seinfeld. I love Seinfeld. It was a show I grew up watching. I still watch it to this day. I love it. It was a holiday made up uh, by the character George, his dad, made up this holiday for December 23rd. Well, this bowl game in Boca Raton is going to be played on December 22nd. And Boca Raton has a major part in Seinfeld as well, because that's where Jerry Seinfeld's character, Jerry's parents, live in a place called Del Boca Raton in Florida. Well, there you go. You could have matched up all of the Seinfeld storylines into one had this game be, been played on December 23rd, but alas, I don't get my wish. But regardless, looking forward to seeing BYU and the Knights square off, and I really do think this is going to be a fun bowl game, and it might be the best of the non-Power 6 bowl games out there, and it may be better than some of the New Year's 6 bowl games if we're being objective about it. But regardless, big game, and I'm looking forward to it. We'll have more on this when the official announcement comes on tomorrow's podcast and also some media availability, hoping to hear from Kalani Satake and others as they react to the news of BYU getting their bowl invite. Coming up here in just a moment, though, we will talk about what I took away from the San Diego State win once again. I go back every Sunday and re-watch the game in its entirety, write down some notes. We'll get to all of that here in just a moment. A reminder for you guys, if you are interested in advertising with Locked On Cougars, we'd love to have you guys on board. We're heading into a new year, and our membership, our listenership, I guess I should say, has never been higher. We are in front of thousands of BYU you fans in their ears every day and if you have a product a service or a company you'd like to advertise well guess what we'd love to have you guys on board our rates are extremely competitive like i said we can get you in front of thousands of byu fans each and every day and our sales team of the locked on podcast network can help you have advertising success in the podcast sphere which can be hard to come by if we're being honest about it so check it out guys if you are interested feel free to reach out locked on byu at gmail.com happy to give you more information get you in touch with the right people and get you on the way to having advertising success with us here on Locked On Cougars and the Locked On Podcast Network. The NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, guys, BYU, if you haven't heard, I would hope you have heard by the time you listen to this podcast or watch the game, BYU beat San Diego State 28-14 to late Saturday night to improve to 10-1 on the season. BYU did not move up in the national polls yesterday, remaining at number 14 in the AP poll, as well as number 16 in the coaches poll. We'll find out where the college football playoff committee th- uh, lands them tomorrow night in their exclusive reveal show on ESPN. I'm not expecting much, if any, movement for BYU in that regard. But nonetheless, I think I took away a few things I want to pass along to you guys from the win over over San Diego State. And let's break into it and talk about that here for a moment. First things first, 
I look at BYU's offensive line and I wonder to myself, how in the world do these guys have moments of complete brilliance and dominance and the next moment have a play where just seemingly nothing goes right? And when I think about that, when I see the plays that don't go right, it seems like it's maybe just one guy in that unit that screws up and it has a cavalcade, what do we call it, A, a domino effect on his teammates. One guy amongst that five-man unit can really screw things up. And I know that's very base-level stuff when it comes to football, but it very much has been an explanation to me as I watch more and more of this BYU offensive line and what they do this season. I have been a big-time detractor of BYU's inability to pick up short yardage when they go out there and need to pick up, like, say, a third and one, a fourth and one, even a third and two. I just don't get why BYU can't do it. And the more I watch the plays where they have those failures, it seems to be one player maybe misses on a block or misses an assignment or just gets beat to a spot, etc. And that has that domino effect that blows up a play. There were moments like this in the San Diego State game. The nice part was, is BYU's offensive line had a better night overall in the win over San Diego State than they did against Coastal Carolina. Uh, The guy in particular I want to uh, talk about is that Chandon Herring to me, and he's played all over the offensive line during his BYU career. He's played right tackle, right guard, left guard, even some left tackle at some points, not in games, but in practice. He has been a guy who has been on NFL radar for the past year or so, and he's a very good player. The problem is I feel like he's a feast or famine guy. When he's feasting, he's dominating guys at the point of attack along that offensive line and just having a field day with what he's doing. Other times, he's missing assignments or getting beat to a spot on his block, getting uh, beat by the opposing player. Nonetheless, I think that uh, he is a guy who would have been best suited to have one position and master it versus playing that swing role that he's played during his career, especially this year for BYU. In the game at San Diego State, he moved to left left guard in that game. He's played right tackle to start the season this year, moved inside to right guard. And the idea of musical chairs comes to my mind with regards to this because when he keeps moving around, I just feel like he gets uh, into a spot, almost seems to get comfortable in that spot and then gets moved to a new spot. I think he is an NFL prospect, but the problem is I think NFL teams are going to look at him and say, okay, are you the guy who's when he's at his best, as dominant as he is, or are you as bad when we see you in those low moments? You're going to have to evaluate that if you're an NFL team. And I thought in this game against San Diego State, he had a lot of both. Some plays he absolutely feasted. Other times it was famine. He struggled. But nonetheless, I feel like BYU's offensive line had a decent performance. Not a great performance, but a decent performance. Meanwhile, on the defensive line for BYU, yet again, early on in this game, BYU struggled to wrap up and make plays in the backfield. And this is not just on the defensive line. It's on the defense as a whole. It seemed like the first player for BYU, and I get that the conditions were cold, etc., but the first player was not able to wrap up on contact, and that needs to be fixed. If BYU wants to have a better rush defense where they're not getting roasted online by guys like yours truly and many of you out there, well, guess what? They need to tackle better. If they tackle better, those four, five, six-yard gains that seem to just break BYU's back on any given down become a thing of maybe a one- or a two-yard loss, or maybe in some cases a tackle for loss. There were so many missed tackle opportunities for BYU in this game, frankly infuriating. 
BYU won the game. Let's celebrate that fact. Let's be clear. It's good to celebrate wins. BYU has a double-digit win season. They went undefeated at home. There's a lot of good that came out of this season for BYU, but there's still a lot for BYU to, to fix. In particular, tackling. Tackling needs to be worked on. These players need to be able to wrap up and hope that their teammates can get there to help rally them. If you have to just hold on to a guy's leg for dear life until your teammates can come help you make the tackle, do it. Wrap up on contact. That needs to be fixed if, if you're BYU. The turnovers, very crucial in this game. Uh, watching a guy like Drew Jensen, who has had kind of a bit role for BYU, he hasn't been necessarily in the rotation much this year, but in this game against San Diego State, very impressive. If he doesn't pick off that pass uh, for Jordan Brookshire, that pass is complete, and that tight end's probably inside the red zone and might have scored. He was wide open up the seam there, but Drew Jensen jumps right in the lane, picks it off. Great momentum-changing play. I felt like that play really helped BYU rest and get the victory. Let's give credit also to the defense. This is an extreme case of Ben don't break in this game. They gave up 14 points in the first quarter and then had no points the rest of the game. Despite, I think, three more red zone trips for San Diego State, they gave up zero points. Uh, one of them, a turnover on downs, a fantastic goal line stand. Caden Hawes continues to be one of my favorite guys on this defensive line. Had an absolutely phenomenal individual play to stick the running back on third down. Also, the play of Jordan Brookshire. I watched it again. He just straight up slips on that fourth down and it becomes a turnover on downs but you know what them's the break sometimes a solid win for BYU if not unspectacular but I think there are things to be fixed another note for you guys another guy that I thought stood out after rewatching the game I think that Neil Pau has found the right role for himself he's a six foot four 220 pound athlete who is maybe a little too big and not quick enough to be an elite wide receiver but also too small to be a true inline tight end that's the guys like Isaac Rex Carter Wheat Lane Lunt those guys are true tight ends, but BYU's offense has a great spot for Neil Pau, and it's what I call the Y position. And what I mean by the Y position, it's the position, if you remember under uh, Bronco Mendenhall's direction with Robert and I, they had what they called the Y tight end. Guys like Johnny Harleen, Dennis Pitta, they were the tight end that split out wide and played almost a slot receiver role. That's where a guy like Neil Pau thrives. He does a great job on routes across the middle. He's become a sure-handed receiver. He said he had a lot of good routes that he ran against both Coastal Carolina and San Diego State in the middle of the field. And he's become a nice security blanket for a guy like Zach Wilson. Guys like Dax Milne and Gunnar Romney are going to get all of the headlines. Dax being a Blitnikoff semifinalist, etc. But you need guys like Neil Pau who are solid, if not spectacular, in their roles for an offense to succeed and Neil Pau has really found a great spot for himself I think that Y position what I like to call it the I'm calling it a Y receiver I don't know how BYU designates it per se but I really like the role he has found for himself and I really do think he's coming into his own one other note before uh, we move on to some other topics is that Zach Wilson, folks, it's been a marvelous, marvelous season for him, especially playing at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It would be nice to see him play another year at BYU. I completely agree with you guys, but I am nearly 100% certain that he is gone to the NFL. 
His parents have acknowledged on social media they're meeting with NFL agents. I don't know how much more evidence you need to, to me to give you to prove that uh, BYU is going to lose Zach Wilson, but regardless, it's been a marvelous, marvelous individual season for that young man, and he will do a lot of good as a first-round draft pick out of BYU. More good than you may consider right off the top, but he is going to do a lot of good things and looking forward to seeing how he does in the pro ranks. So there you go. Some of my takeaways. BYU now 10-1 and on the season. Hopefully they move up a spot or two in the college football playoff rankings, but I'm not anticipating it tomorrow. We'll break that down as it comes, but regardless, a good win for BYU, and now they get ready for a bowl game against UCF. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we'll catch up on everything else you need to know about BYU sports. There's a lot to break down still. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Built Bar, guys. Love Built Bars. I can't recommend them enough. They are the best tasting protein bar I have ever had in my life, and I mean it when I say it. They taste like a candy bar. They're low sugar, low calorie, but high protein, high fiber. They are the perfect supplement to anybody's diet. No matter if you're trying to lose weight like myself, maintain your weight, you're on the keto diet, they fit in marvelously to anybody's diet. Check it out, guys. Soft and easy to chew. Tastes like a candy bar covered in 100% chocolate. They are the best protein bars on the market, and I absolutely would recommend them to anybody who wants to check them out. Right now, you can go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You'll get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Love this company. They do great work, and the best part is they're a Utah company. They're based in Utah Valley, so check them out. BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. Save yourself 20% and enjoy the best tasting protein bars on the market. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, before we go here on a Monday edition of the show, wanted to run down a couple of things for you guys, and one of them in particular, I guess it'll take up most of the time here, is the coaching carousel. Obviously, it's starting to spin faster and faster, and who thought that the pandemic was going to affect coaches being hired and fired? Apparently not, considering guys like Gus Malzahn at Auburn, he owed, what, $21 million, I read? Uh, Matt Wells at Texas Tech, the former Utah State coach, uh, could end up being owed nine million dollars if the red raiders decide to move on from him a lot of money being thrown around in those buyouts even with a pandemic going on must be nice to have some high-powered boosters but the job i want to talk about in particular here for a moment is the arizona wildcats kevin sumlin was fired unceremoniously after arizona state dump truck the wildcats 70 to 7 last friday in the rivalry game pretty much an abject failure in terms of the tenure for kevin sumlin I thought he was going to be a good hire there in Tucson. Boy, was I wrong. Well, why am I talking about this? Is because immediately in the aftermath of the firing of Kevin Sumlin, Kalani Satake's name emerged as a candidate to take over for the Wildcats. Well, it makes sense. If you have success at BYU, there are going to be programs out there that are going to be interested in you. You can go back all the way to the tenure of Lavelle Edwards. He had famously options to go to coach at Miami, go coach the Detroit Lions in the NFL, and I'm sure there are probably many other opportunities that were presented to him in his 29 years as head coach at BYU. 
He stuck it out as a cougar. Kalani Satake will have some opportunities, I think, when it comes to the Power 5 level. And Arizona, I think it would be dumb not to at least contact Kalani Satake and use the quote, kick the tires and see what he thinks. Do I think that Kalani Satake should go to Arizona? No. Tucson is a tough place to play. You're immediately in the bottom half, if not the bottom third of the Pac-12, just in terms of perception, prestige, etc. Famously, they're the only program in Pac-12 history outside of Colorado and Utah. So like I said, Pac-10 history. They're the only of the original Pac-10 schools that has not been to the Rose Bowl. So yeah, if you make the Rose Bowl, you're going to be a legend in Tucson. But the problem is it's a basketball school. Sean Miller and the Wildcats men's basketball program is always going to take precedence over football, I feel like, down there. I could be wrong about that. And if you live in Tucson and you'd like to argue with me, feel free to reach out. We can have a discussion on this. But I do think Kalani Satake is going to start getting more and more attention with these Power 5 level jobs. Does that mean that he is going to remain loyal to BYU and turn down every opportunity? Maybe so. But money talks, folks. Bronco Mendenhall tripled his money based on what I know when he went to Virginia. Uh, Kalani Satake, probably going to do something similar, if not at least double his money if he were to take a Power 5 job. Is money all it's cracked up to be at the Power 5 level? Absolutely not. I just mentioned Matt Wells. Well, he took the first opportunity he could to get out of Utah State, jumped to Texas Tech, and now after just two years, he may be out on the curb with a $9 million buyout. It's plenty of money, but you're going to be out of a job. That's what you have to weigh if you're Kalani Satake. Do I think there will come a day when Kalani's going to have to decide, hey, do I want to be a Power 5 head coach or do I want to be a lifer at BYU? Yes, there will come that day, but I hope it's further out than right now. What I do expect to happen and what I would advocate for BYU to do is to extend Kalani Satake. Give him more money. Give him more years. I know he just signed a contract extension last year through 2023. I get that it seems weird to do that, but you need to go out and spend the money to keep him in Provo if at all possible. It may just be that he decides, you know what? I've done what I think I can do in Provo. I built up a winning program and I want to try a new thing. I want to go to the Power Five and try that level. In that case, you can't do much about it. But Kalani, I can tell you this much, loves BYU. He grew up a fan of the university. He played for the university he was a fan of. He's now coaching as the head coach of the university he grew up rooting for. There's a lot that ties him with Brigham Young University. And if I'm Tom Homo and the athletic administration down there, and even the university administration in Provo, I would be doing everything proactively. Let's be clear. Proactively, I'd be going out and trying to get Kalani Satake into a spot where he feels like he doesn't need to listen to the overtures from the Power Five. Well, there will always be those people who are looking and contacting his agent, et cetera, to gauge his interest in jobs. But I do think that BYU can do a better job and should do a better job at making him feel like, you know what? Provo is the place for me and my family. I like what I'm doing here. I'm having success. And you know what? That may be enough for him. On the other hand, it may be that he decides, you know what, I want to go try something else. I hope that Arizona is not the place that he goes, though. I just don't see the Wildcats being a place where you can succeed. 
Jay Hill, on the other hand, I've seen him connected with that job. Well, Jay, if he w- truly wants to be the head coach at the University of Utah one day, his alma mater, well, moving on from Weber State and broadening your horizons, making the jump to Arizona may not be the worst thing. Do I think Jay Hill gets this job in Tucson? No, I don't think many programs are willing to hire a big sky coach all the way to a power five head coaching position right away, make that jump. But maybe I'm wrong about that. But if I'm Kalani Sitake and I'm advising him, I'm telling him Arizona ain't it. Sit back, kind of let other things play out. And if you do have that itch to go to the power five level, you can scratch it at some point, but it may not be in this current coaching carousel. I could be completely wrong about this, but I do hope that BYU is being proactive, contacting Kalani's agent, speaking with him and saying, hey, we value you. We understand what you have done. I know we slow played your last contract extension. This time, we're going to get ahead of it and hopefully build up some goodwill with you. That's what BYU should do. Will they do it? I have no way of knowing, but if I hear anything, I'll be happy to pass it along to you guys. And that's where we'll stop for today. Once again, a big thank you for your support of the podcast. It is a blast to be with you guys. I do want to do a mailbag segment at some point this week. So if you've got questions about the Cougars, no matter what it might be, feel free to send them in on social media or email them to us, lockedonbyu at gmail.com. Love hearing from you guys and love weighing in with your guys' comments, your thoughts, your insights, and all of the like. Have a great rest to your day whenever you hear this. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for December 14th, 2020, and we will talk to you guys manana. Listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.